When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello and welcome to this, a very special episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach. I'm here with Laura. Together we're here with Ryan Airy from Screen Crush. Screen Crush is one of my favorite YouTube channels. And yes, it's all about science fiction, comic books, um, culture. Ryan's brain is encyclopedic. It is fascinating to hear him talk. And today we're trying to figure out whether or not uh, shows like WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier have anything to tell us about relationships, about humanity. And I love it. I think it's a brilliant conversation and I'm so excited about it. Laura hangs in there. Hope you will too. We do a little bit of Superman, we throw in a little Star Wars. This is an episode that I've been very excited about. It's a very cool conversation. Stick around. All right. I'm so excited. And Laura's like, who is this guy and why are we talking to him? But uh, that is, um, I will it's tell quite you. Quite literally, the text messages that I sent you last night was like, I don't understand. <laughs> this is a podcast about marriages and I'm I'm having a real hard time drawing the distance, like the line here. Well, the way I think about it is Ryan and I get to hang out and you get to be everyone who listens to the podcast going, wait, what are we <laughs> What are we actually talking about? Now? He's just using this as an opportunity to date to date you right now, Ryan. That's basic. Right. <laughs> no, so here's the deal. So, okay, so uh, unapologetically, this is about me falling in love with this show called WandaVision. And so, when I did, and I've been a Marvel guy for a long time, Ryan, you might not have watched it, and I'm not assuming that you did. But last summer, Laura and I got to do this project with Vanity Fair where they had us kind of analyze pop culture relationships. And one of the films that they chose was Guardians of the Galaxy. So we were talking mm. about Peter Quill and Gamora the whole time. And Laura was hilarious because she was clearly... I'm not a viewer. ...wading into waters that she had no idea about. But I've just been really connected to this idea of how does pop culture talk to us about relationships, period. Anyway, so I'm mm-hmm. watching WandaVision. Ryan, you are video producer for uh, Screen Crush. And you can tell us a little bit about what Screen Crush is. But I'm watching WandaVision and every week Ryan comes on and he says, this is what happened in the episode. This is everything you missed. And this is everything that you need to know about. And so I started getting super curious about what's going on and what can we learn? And Ryan was kind enough to say, oh, sure, let's talk about it. Because why not? Because there's always something to learn. So uh, we get to do that. But talk to us, Ryan, a little bit about who who you are and where you are. Tell Laura, I guess. You don't talk to us. (laughs) Who you are, what are you about and why, why, uh, why do you do what you do? Sure. Um, Like you said, my name is Ryan Airy, and I'm a video producer, writer, editor, host at Screen Crush, which is a website and also a YouTube channel that I make all the videos for. Uh, Screen Crush is it's one of those YouTube channels that you'll see like 100 Easter eggs in the Avengers or in-depth video essays about, you know, the meaning of color and Breaking Bad. So basically, I'm just a fan of TVs and movies and I get to talk about TVs and movies for a living. It's a pretty great gig. Well, no wonder you have such a crush, Zach, because I can see like the commonalities big time here. Yeah. That's okay, fun. So I made Laura watch a couple of videos about from from YouTube, some of yours and then some just in general, because my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I 
I love I love the whole um, Easter egg hunt in videos. I think it's really fun. And I'm just I, I'm like, how much time do you have to spend to find the Easter eggs or to find the missing pieces or to like draw those commonalities? I'm just I'm kind of wondering, like, how much time do you spend watching TV? <laughs> so on a particular episode, these Marvel shows, you know, we don't get screeners for them. So I wake up about 4 a.m., make my coffee, sit down, pet the cat, and then watch the episode. And I keep notes. You do learn some shortcuts along the way. Like if someone's in a scene where there's a lot of stuff in the background, you'd make a note. Like I have to go back and like look at that scene later on and look for like yeah. little things. And yeah. anytime you see or hear a proper noun, if I don't recognize it, I can just Google it and find out who that person is because the internet is a wealth of thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like that was huge when I did Picard because I'm a, I'm a big Star Trek fan, but I haven't seen at the time I hadn't seen the original series and a lot of other stuff. So I thank God there's like Star Trek memory alpha out there that has all this information. So anyways, I write all this stuff out, make a script, record the script. And I have the script usually done before 10 o'clock a.m. And oh then me God. and a couple interns will edit it together, highlighting different parts of the script because we're working remotely and like editing different sections of it. And I'll typically handle anything that's from outside the episode. So if we're referencing something that is from a, like on WandaVision, it's has all these obscure sitcom references. I had to handle all of those. Um, and by the way, I didn't have this structure in place for WandaVision. It was just me doing the whole thing. And it took a lot longer. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'll do a cursory glance just before the video is ready around the Internet to see if anybody else, you know, on other websites noticed something that I didn't. And if they do, I credit them. My favorite thing is I go on Twitter and say, hey, anybody got an Easter egg? And if it's one that like I didn't catch, I'll credit them and show their tweet and everything. So it's like a fun, interactive thing that we do, too. Right on. Um, but no, it gets done. Those those videos get done in a day because they have to. Oh my god! Because they become irrelevant like two, three days later. Because everybody. Yeah, and exactly. And I don't think our channel has quite the dedicated enough following to where we could wait a day or so, like a couple yeah. other channels do. Yeah. Not not that we don't have good fans. Fans are great, but it's, you know, whoever gets there first often gets the bigger hits and is trending and all that other stuff. So, Laura, we talked about a week ago, we talked, I don't know, 10 days or so ago, Ryan and I, just about whether or not there would be something to say on Marriage Therapy Radio. And it started with this question, and Ryan, you can go ahead and answer it. Like, why do you think WandaVision captured kind of the imagination of not just comic nerds, but also like people, my kids, you know, mm -hmm. my wife, all of a sudden became invested in this, these stories, unlike you just started to rattle off kind of this idea of what happened in the seventies and eighties with, with these kinds of relationships. But why do you think WandaVision captured the imaginations of people the way that it did? Hmm. Well, first and foremost, you know, WandaVision was this mystery box show that did not care about telling you what was going on for the first six or seven episodes. Mm -hmm. So that always draws people in. It's like stranger things or other great mysteries like Harry Potter, where you want to find out, Oh wait, why is this thing so weird? Why are these characters that I've seen before suddenly inside a sitcom. And WandaVision is a strange show when you talk about marriage and relationships because, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the show, the vision that we see in the show is not the real vision. He was killed in a different movie. So Wanda has created this, this idealized version of vision from her memories, from this essence of this magic stone inside of her that gave the vision life. Comics and movies, comic movies are weird. Well, so these first few episodes... Rules. Like we don't have, they don't have to follow like the rules that... <laughs> That all of our clients wow. have to follow. They get to go, oh, Magic Stone, that's the thing. But <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it's also a fraction of the weirdness from the comics, which I'll talk about in a second. Yeah. So these first few episodes that you see in WandaVision are, the first one is based more on like the Dick Van Dyke show or I Love Lucy, very much a 50s sitcom family where everything is, is great. Everything's happy. And these two, 
they have problems, but they're cute problems. They're like, oh, I forgot our anniversary kind of problems. Uh, <laughs> in the very same way that in a relationship, everything in the beginning might be like that because mm-hmm. you haven't delved into who your partner is. You're only seeing them as you want to see them, which is mm-hmm. exactly how Wanda sees the vision in the show as she wants him to be this perfect sitcom husband there for her. Mm. And then throughout the series, the vision becomes a little more aware, like something's weird, something's off. You know, he becomes more Mm -hmm. suspicious until he learns that he's actually in this reality manufactured by her. So the show is about the stages of grief. The the showrunners actually mapped out the stages of grief and said, you know, to each episode and how how does Wanda move through this? But it's also in a lot of ways about the stages of relationship about idealizing your partner and then slowly seeing them for who they actually are, letting them see more of who you are and your vulnerabilities until finally at the end of the show, it's so good. They come to an understanding together. Uh And the brilliant episode of WandaVision is, I mean, there's, they're all brilliant, but episode eight, I believe where they show flashbacks of their time together. Um, Because, you know, the thing about Marvel movies is you see these characters, if they don't have their own movie very briefly, so Wanda and Vision have gotten like character shading. You know, you see them meet, you, you hear like a little bit of this one's backstory and you see Vision created and you see them together in another movie, uh, meeting each other. And then in the next movie, they're sleeping together, but you don't really get why they're together. And then this one episode showed him comforting her after her brother was killed. Mm-hmm. And he has this great line, which is uh, grief is, is love persisting, which got a lot of attention on the Internet. Yeah. People both like loving the line and, and over praising the, <laughs> the line, too. There was a particularly hyperbolic tweet about it that said a million screenwriters let out a reverent yeah. fuck when they. <laughs> but, uh, you can imagine the breakthrough in the writer's room where they were like, how about this? How about this? And everybody's like, yeah. we found it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but seeing that and seeing them build that relationship showed that, you know, he is a the vision is this artificial man. He's new to the world. She is an outcast who has these powers and no one to rely on because her brother was killed and they find this connection with each other hmm. in the comics. And I'm sorry if I'm, am I talking too much? No, no. Keep oh, going. Okay, all right. This is yeah. why we have okay. you on. <laughs> all right. Great, great, great. Um, in the comics, they are even more weird than they are in the show. You know, in the comics, Vision was just like in the movies created by an evil robot to be his servant. And he was originally made from the body of a dead superhero from a long time ago and the brain patterns of another dead supervillain. And so they all come together and make the vision. He rebels against his creator. And years later, his, the person whose brain waves he's based on comes back from the dead and they, he meets his mom. And it, it's very strange. And then like years later, a different writer comes in and completely changes the origin story. Whereas Wanda in the comics originally was a mutant, which means um, mutants are Marvel's way of uh, introducing civil rights into the comics in the 60s so people are born a mutant they're actually closer to a lot of the x-men comics like resonated with the gay community because there's similarities like people would keep their powers hidden uh their powers manifest in puberty you know a lot like uh, you know a lot of some gay people have their sexual awakening puberty so i'm telling you there's there's that whole metaphor we're talking about like you don't understand like this this whole cultural touchstone matters and it needs to be people need to be willing to understand that yeah i'm, I'm making yeah. like this this reference oh, like yeah. mind is blown of like how mutant and and like sort of parallels the gay community and the experiences mm-hmm. and I'm like oh my gosh well the <laughs> Go on. The, the original well the the, the x-men movies especially the second one which you know brian singer the director is a horrible human being but also a gay man so he wasn't shy about including those metaphors 
So in the second one, there's a line where this kid's mom, he comes out to his mother as a mutant. And she says, have you tried not being a mutant? Which Mm -hmm. is a little on the nose now. But in the year 2003, it was like, oh, they did it. (laughs) And I like to think like for the gay community, then that must have been a a pretty, like Tom Hanks thanking his partner at the Oscars, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of saying his wife. No, it's like those little subtle cues you can give to be like, you know, you're seen. Anyway, sorry, Wanda. So Wanda was a mutant. So it had all those undertones of civil rights and all this other stuff. And she was a, you know, on the villains team, but she was being manipulated by the villain. And then she joined the Avengers, but people didn't trust her because she was a mutant and we're not sure about mutants. And then it turns out that her father was this evil mutant leader, like the, the evil, the, the bad guy of the, yeah. the mutant universe. Magneto, who originally right? was meant to parallel Malcolm X. Yeah, Magneto. So she also had this, like, I don't belong anywhere kind of feeling. And both of them found a family with the Avengers and eventually made a family together where they actually had kids together through a weird mystical thing sure. that's sort of alluded to in the show. So they're just, they're weirdos and they're outcasts and they found each other. And I think back on like Roy Thomas, who wrote those Avengers books, I'm like, what a stroke of genius to take this, this synthesoid artificial man and this lost woman and go, yeah, they should, they should meet up. And then she also faced racism from her brother who hated that she was with that machine. You know, mm-hmm. she had that backlash against her, almost like, you know, a racist brother being mad that, his sister married, you know, someone from a different race. Oh, so yeah. all these are in the comics. They're just, you know, understated and weird and sci-fi. So kids were learning about these, these issues as they read them without realizing they were learning. That's interesting. I didn't even catch that part about the racist piece because when, uh, when her fake brother comes in in the sort of toward the end, he says, who's the popsicle. That's kind of the, that's mm-hmm. kind of the reference of there. There's a very specific scene. And I think it's episode five that kind of got me thinking about this. And Laura, this is kind of where you may have some opinions, but it's the scene where um, Vision chases Wanda into the living room. I think it's called the very special episode. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and they both escalate and they both kind of rise up and he's got his like kind of ball of fire. Or she's got her, and they're both like ready to go. They're ready to like rage at each other in the middle of this relationship conflict. And she says, she gets it, right? She gets it in that moment. And then she goes, hold on a second. Like you've never talked to me like this before. And she lowers herself, which I think is a mm. skill that we try to teach a lot. And it really, I think it, it became the time when they were the most human, you know, she may be a mutant, he may be a synthesoid, but it was this moment that I felt like that was really tapping into this kind of human moment for couples or people or whatever. And so it's really, I think it, I think it really does say something about the way, even if we blame writer's rooms are headed to try and resonate with real stories in real life, you know? The part that I was confused about is because I haven't seen WandaVision series. It's literally just this little clip. When she says, you haven't talked to me like this before, what I was imagining is the reaction that couples have oftentimes where they actually escalate because they're saying, you've never talked to me like this before. Like you're raging or you're raising your voice or you're cursing at me or whatever it might be. So I'm wondering, like, how was it that he was talking to her that got her, snapped her out of this like escalation? And she suddenly like focused more on him and understanding and de-escalated. What was it that he was doing where it was different? You nailed it on the head as far as it's a couple of different things. One is definitely that he had just never lost his temper with her before. Mm-hmm. And that was something that because she had never given him a reason to, mm-hmm. you know, they'd always work so harmoniously. It goes back to what I said before about relationships moving through phases, you know, where you start to see this other side of someone. And I think within the context of the show, they're a little amb- 
ambiguous about this, but Wanda at first doesn't realize she's created this pocket reality. She slowly comes around to remember it. And at that point in the show, I don't believe that she knew she, what she had done because right after that, she says, I don't even know how any of this started. Mm-hmm. So I think that is actually kind of a wake up call for her and edges her closer to a self-realization and reality that this isn't real, you know, that it's kind of being constructed or at least it's a lie she chose to believe. Does it make sense? Like it's a, every yeah, great story know. has that lie the character believes. Yeah. Uh, and him reacting like that in an angry way, I think was the biggest wake up call for her. Because like I said earlier, it's the disruption of that 50s, 60s sitcom life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said, you know, the title of the episode was a very special episode for a reason. That's a trope in sitcoms tonight on a very special blossom. When they would have those like lesson episodes, like um, Stephanie on Full House smokes or DJ becomes yeah. bulimic an episode or the best the best of all time is like jesse spano and caffeine pills yeah and some of those episodes you know dealt with divorce you know i remember episodes of roseanne where you know the big news was that dan's dad was cheating on his mom you know where it's where characters were able to kind of peel away that that sitcom aspect and actually deal with some real stuff that -hmm. furthered them on the show and kept them from becoming stagnant which is exactly what happens in wandavision yeah Mm -hmm. Um, talk a little bit about, this is something that intrigued me because I, I just was odd at how you kind of rattled it off, but you talked about how, like, would you say Superman 1968, Lois and Clark were just like, they were just a, like a, like a plot device versus now in kind of the more modern versions that the we've shifted toward actually caring about what's going on with the two of them. You mean the 70s Superman movie, right? Right, right, right. They're re- okay, so Superman and Lois's relationship in the early comics is obviously like she's the plucky reporter trying to figure out Superman's secret identity, and there's that whole push pull, and that exists in those first two movies. Like in the second one, Lois throws herself off Niagara Falls just to prove that Superman is Clark Kent. However, Superman in the original movie, you know, the the true tragedy is he loves Lois Lane, you know, in the media too, but he wants Lois Lane to love him for who he is as Clark Kent. And while she's in love with Superman. So it's, you know, in those early movies and comics, it was very much this like unobtainable, unrequited love that one personality, one side had for the other. In Superman 78, you know, Lois Lane dies. And people forget that. We remember that movie as like lighthearted Christopher Reeve saving people, but she dies. Superman fails. He just, he loses. And then he flies around the earth and reverses time and all that whole thing. But when he mourns her in that scene, it's very real. And Christopher Reeve brings it. So I think that you've been seeing superheroes on screen behaving in mature relationships for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just that in those movies, the directors on the audio commentary of Superman 78, where you really, you picked the topic I like to talk about. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> like I really, oh, really my. love this movie, right? I'll just they be in the corner, you two. <laughs> hey, Laura, where were you in 1978? I was uh, not even a glimmer in my father's eye at that point. <laughs> nor, nor I. Not yeah. But, you know, I did grow up watching that movie. Well, Superman 78, was very different because before we had the Batman movie, which is based on the Batman TV show. It's very camp, very fun, very colorful. Superman 78 had Mario Puzo, author of The Godfather, writing the screenplay. It starred Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando, big name stars, big mature stars, you know, people mm. your, your dad liked in movies. So that was a signal that like this movie was a little more grown up. And in the audio commentary, they described it as the opening act of it is like a Shakespearean play. It's when they're on Krypton. It's very stilted. The next act is... Uh, like a Norman Rockwell painting come to life. It's when Clark is growing up in Smallville. And then the rest of the movie is, in their words, a comic strip. Mm -hmm. So they did this on purpose. They gave it this lighthearted tone. But along the way, they stayed true to that character and that that core of the character they developed in those first two sections. 
you know, where Superman does love Lois Lane. And the movie does have these long sections where even in the second one, the second one has him just dating Lois for a long time. They fly to different parts of the world. Superman gets everything he wants. Hmm. And then he decides that Lois is more important to him than being Superman. He gives up his powers for her. You know, so I don't, I look at those movies and I'm like, that's the first mature superhero relationship we saw on screen. Hmm. Man, Vanity Fair should have had you on. I'm just saying, like the way that the <laughs> way that we, we went through and like analyzed uh, our own movies, I'm just like, wow, what a what a chicken scratch I did compared to the analysis that you have and the depth of understanding that you have. Well, I think, and you know, we've kind of been wondering, like, what is what is this episode of Marriage Shape Creator have to offer people? I think the reality is not a lot of people are going to go to therapy. The access they have mm-hmm. to information about how relationships work is through the media that they consume. And some of that is podcasts and some of that is, you know, just stuff they happen to stumble on. And, but, but some of that is the stuff that is really just in your, in your face. Like you could not ignore WandaVision. And now I, this is not a commercial for Marvel or Ryan. One of our running jokes is this episode of Mirror Serve Radio is brought to you by Marvel, Marvel Studios, which <laughs> uh, we'll just talk Wouldn't about. Wouldn't that whatever, be great if they paid us? That would be so great. <laughs> the yeah, hot show be great right if they now. paid me. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I, talk, I talk about their stuff for free. Yeah. <laughs> the hot show right now is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is, you know, these two guys who are, it's a buddy cop show, right? It's just these two guys, but they, uh, they have this love hate relationship, but they somehow they end up in couples therapy. Um, I don't know, Laura, if you yeah. watched that episode, but no. Um, no, not the episode, but this, this, the scene, you know, where these two, this, this woman comes in and she sort of models what therapy might be like. It's very, um, it's, I think it's probably closer to Lord of what you do than what I do, but it's very, um, sort of exercise centric, right? Yeah. Let's put our knees together, look deep into each other's eyes and, yeah. and start to figure out like what's really going on underneath the, un- underneath the story there. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how I do it. It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I remember when my husband first um, joined his company, the two co-owners went to couples therapy together and he shared openly with me. And he's just like, this is like we're we're co-owners of this and we are you know business partners. But we actually went and saw a couples therapist because we have to figure out how to navigate our relationship and how to navigate big things. So I've always thought about like, man, that's a good idea. So cool. Yeah. It's it's interesting because in the context of the show, it's a great scene uh, because it's really hard. Just a little brief background. The Captain America quit being Captain America. He gave his shield and title to one of his friends. And that friend decided, well, I'm not worthy. And he gave it to a museum and it pissed off his other friend. Right. And they're also dealing with their own issues. Like his other friend is in therapy. Mm -hmm. The one who was pissed off that the guy denied it. He's in therapy, just dealing with PTSD from from war, from fighting. And that's the interesting thing about the show is it's very much about veterans issues, you know, dealing with financial issues and PTSD, things like that. So when you have two men, two manly men, military men, it's very hard to think of a way just as a writer. How do I get these two to talk about how they feel without them fighting each other? Mm -hmm. And I thought that that therapeutic setting was brilliant because it did that for that reason. Like they're not going to just stand up and hit each other when there's a therapist over there. And it just gave two, you know, masculine men this chance to like just open up with their emotions in a way that like they wouldn't have done on their own. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's terrific scene. It's very ingenious. 
It's kind of interesting because I'm just drawing these parallels between this whole idea, which I keep hearing you both say is talking about this evolution of how we go to revealing yourself and becoming more vulnerable. And I mean, in the in the scene where you're talking about Wanda and Vision and they both are escalating and then all of a sudden everything kind of de-escalates. And the whole idea is you're showing a piece of yourself to me that I don't think I've ever seen before. I've never seen you raise your voice to me. There's some mm-hmm. sort of raw authenticity that's occurring right now that we haven't had before. And there's a shift, a dynamic shift between everything. And you're also talking about these two men, masculine men, revealing parts of themselves and being more vulnerable. And I'm just keep thinking about how television and how media has is starting to portray these elements of relationships in really unique ways that are just teaching us how to be more vulnerable and how important that is, how that moves the relationship Mm. on getting deeper and more further than you could have been before. And that's the goal. The goal is not to have walls up any longer. The goal is to reveal. I don't know. I I mean, no, I mean, I think you're, you're spot on. One of the things, the thing I love most about that scene with Bucky and Sam and the therapist is, is how Bucky says something out loud that he's probably heard for the first time, right? Where he says, you know, his therapist and they're all trying to work it out. But he says, you know, if you're not worthy, then maybe then maybe if he was wrong about you, maybe he was wrong about me. Yeah. And now Bucky has an insight into his own story that he didn't have five seconds ago Mm -hmm. because there was a context that got created for him. And again, there's tons of people who are never going to end up in a therapist's office, but if they can watch say the winter soldier, do this um maybe it unlocks something for them that 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 feels begins to feel more i keep coming back to the word human because that's it's an easy thing to do to look at these shows and go oh that's they're superhuman right or they're inhuman or they're not human you know but but emotion is human and i just i'm really that's why i think this thing this kind of stuff resonates for us in a really really powerful and important way too which is Now I understand why you didn't want to reveal like last night I'm texting him. I don't get it. Can you please just understand, like explain to me what we're talking about and why this makes sense for the, for this episode. And I get, I get now that you're like, just be a part of it and you will be, I'm going to be on the same page as our listeners of like uncovering at the same time. Yeah. Oh, Mm. now I get the connection. Right. Right. And Ryan, who else should we be paying attention to? I, I think I floated to you once. Um, like, should we care about Han Solo and Princess Leia or they, do they matter? Or is there like, is there, are there other people that, or other things we ought to be on the lookout for or, or relationships we ought to be on the lookout for as we, as we survey this scene of sort of sci-fi and pop culture? I think the most interesting part of Han and Leia's relationship happens off camera. You know, off camera? When, yeah, but yeah, back in the original movies, like they didn't intend for Luke and Leia to be brother and sister. Like there were scenes in The Empire Strikes Back where Luke is like trying to tell her his feelings and he kisses his sister and stuff. They were very much like they had a love triangle between the pirate, the farm boy and the princess. Right. It's this classic thing. And then, you know, of course, Han and Leia have their little romancy stuff in Empire Strikes Back. And then the next one, it's like they resolved the love triangle by saying that Leia is Luke's sister and she ends up with Han. So then they have this intervening 30 years where they lose their son and then they split apart, which is tragic and horrible. And you don't want to see that happen to your heroes. But unfortunately that's what happens in real life. You know, normally statistically, if a couple's only son dies, their son doesn't die, but he essentially does because he joins the dark side. You know, statistically when a couple loses a child, they, they can't make it. That would have been really interesting to see. It probably wouldn't have made for a good star war movie, (laughs) but it would have been interesting to see that 
on well, film yeah. to just see this couple who know each other so well and yeah. know each other's weaknesses really well. Yeah. To just I see them you. kind of like reconcile that, like, oh, we failed. Yeah. yeah. That's really, that's and a really. And they both go back to what they knew before, you know, smuggling and being a, a general. Well, sure. And I think the thing that, that is in those later movies that you kind of see and it's not lost on us is that their friendship is intact, right? Even if their sort of romantic relationship wasn't able to survive these traumas, but that's all part of the, uh, uh, we talked to him when we talked yeah. about Peter and, uh, Gamora, we were talking about how early on in the relationship, they were trauma bonding, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is, oh this, I like that. Yeah. This is my, but this is my bad story. Well, this is my bad story, but Han and Leia anyway, we're actually going through the whole bit. Obviously I could talk about this stuff forever. Cause I, I just think it's, uh, I think there's something to be learned from reading culture. And I just, I'm grateful that you were able to talk to us and share some of that with us. And today's Thursday. Uh, I don't know. If, I think I told Ryan this, but, uh, my 14 year old, I, our, our Thursday ritual is to stay up at midnight. Cause we're in on the West coast. We get to watch Falcon and the winter soldier episode, whatever it is tonight. Um, nice. And, uh, and then we'll look forward to whatever you have coming out in the next day or so. T- talk to us, uh, Ryan, about how, how do people find you? How do they learn more about what you're doing and what you're up to? And what's the best way to, to stay in touch with Ryan Airy? I can find me on Twitter at Ryan Airy. Just, just my name. I got in there early, grabbed the handle as soon as I could. Uh, and also just the Screen Crush YouTube channel. We put out one or two or three videos a week, depending on the week. And uh, yeah, join the conversation. Yeah, very cool. Well, thanks a lot for joining us and for being a part of this conversation. We, um, we never know what we're going to say, but um, I'm, I'm fascinated, of course. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank thanks you so much. I enjoyed the talk. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. Hey, today was super fun, a little different from what we are normally up to, um, and definitely getting Zach one step closer to his man crush, Ryan Airy, which was so, so, so fun for me to be able to watch these two really connect on another level of just looking and seeing what um, modern day media has to say about our culture, about our relationships, about how we are connecting and showing up in this world. I thought it was super fun talking to him. If you enjoyed this conversation, if you enjoyed any of our Vanity Fair videos, you are going to absolutely freak out when you go and check out Ryan's YouTube channel, Screen Crush. Check it out. He has thousands and thousands of followers, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Hey, thanks so much for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.